We'll see what happens if Buffalo Bills are in route to the playoffs. Come on now, the Bills are making it happen now. Stand up now, come on and shout. Buffalo Bills go undefeated. And we're going to the Super Bowl, yeah. Now, baby, all right we are back we are back yes everybody it's another episode of overdue bills i'm your host mike d and we got a great guest for you you know we got a big time game coming up against seattle this week so we want to bring you the best guest we could so everybody say what's up to my guy mike what's going on mike how you doing What's good? What's good, man? I'm living, living. Like I just told you, I'm upset I can't go to Buffalo, but uh, I've never been, uh, but I'm still excited for the game. Yeah, I think last time the Seahawks played in Buffalo, that's when we still had the whole Toronto, one game in Toronto. So that's when like, y'all beat us like 49 to zero. It was something crazy uh, like four, what, eight years ago, I guess. So Yeah, 2012, Russ's, Russ's rookie year. Somebody just asked me about that. Because it was like, yo, Russ ain't played in uh, Buffalo before. And I was like, really? And then it was like, I, somebody asked me. I was like, oh, it was in like Toronto. Yeah. So was that that was a yearly thing to do one game in Toronto? Every year, one game in Toronto. Oh, we hated it. We hated it so I would, much. I wouldn't like that either. I was going to ask that. Like, that doesn't yeah. seem fun. Taking away our home game. So, but it is what it is. That's over now. Um, we got new new ownership, so. All right. So just tell, look, tell everybody the platform you're on, uh, where they can follow you, and a little bit about your Seahawks fandom. Um, let's see. So I'm, I'm from Seattle. Um, I grew up like south, south Seattle, real close to where the, the stadium's at. I know I say that because if people really cover the NFL, they know the stadium don't always be where people people's at. Yeah, you know, like you know, places like Dallas. Like I went there, I was like, "Yo, where the stadium at?" It's like, "Nah, bro, it's up the road." It's like, "What? It's not in Dallas." <laughs> uh, Atlanta is, I think, is is kind of similar. Um, Miami, I don't even play in Miami, but anyway, yeah. So I grew up, grew up in Seattle. Uh, went to Washington State University for school. Graduated twenty fourteen. Was covering the University of Idaho and Washington State football for a little bit. Got the Got a job covering the Seahawks to move back home in 2017. Been here uh, ever since, uh, working for The Athletic now. Make sure y'all go subscribe to The Athletic. We're only charging a buck right now. We really don't get any better than that. Uh, you can always follow <laughs> me on Twitter, at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Uh, big music guy, big sneaker guy. Uh, I don't know if, if, if that's a big thing up in Buffalo, but... Uh, yeah, sneakerheads. Talk- sneakerheads everywhere. Sneakerheads everywhere. That's true. That's true. I ain't go for no no area everywhere every area probably in the NFL except Green Bay got sneakerheads. I went to Green <laughs> Bay. nothing in Green Bay but the nah. Packers Stadium. Yeah, exactly. That's that's, that's that's really it. But yeah, man, big sneakerhead, big music guy, uh, big fan of Russell Wilson winning MVP this year. That'd be dope too. Uh, we we gonna get into that. We gonna get into that. Don't, don't you worry about that. All right, that's what's up. So let's get into the questions. Then I want to start with the offense, and I want to start with the man himself, and that's Russell Wilson. So, do you think so? There have been no let Russ cook like before this season. Uh, no, no. Russ has been doing the opposite of cooking, man. It's 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 crazy. Pete Carroll is a risk averse head coach. Most defensive minded coaches are. Um, t- uh, Mike Zimmer would probably be the other really good example of that. And what that means is that it's not that they're against throwing the ball. 
when they're just doing the math on throwing versus running, they be, they look at the negative outcomes of each. And you look at old school defensive minded coaches, what they want to do is avoid as many negative outcomes as possible. They don't want to take the risk on the positive ones. They want to avoid the negative ones. So if you ask a traditional old school defensive coach, they'll tell you like, you can drop back and pass and like, there are more bad things that'll happen when there, than there are good things. Versus if you run the ball, there's what? Two bad things? Eh, really just one, he fumbles. That's, that's, that's really it. Whether it's like where you throw is an interception, it's a sack and a fumble. Yeah. Um, so like those, it's basically the scared money don't make no money. Those type of coaches are really willing to not make no money in the name of possession. So that's kind of how Pete Carroll got down and it worked for years. You know, he got Marshawn Lynch, he had Legion of Boom. There was plenty of reason for Pete to be like, this is what we're going to do this is how we're going to win games. And they won a lot of games, the most yeah. in franchise history, um, by any Seahawks coach. So that's kind of how he was kicking it. But then in like 20, I want to say 16-ish, I know 2015-ish, when uh, Doug Baldwin led the league in receiving touchdowns, you could tell Russ really, he, you could take the training wheels off of him. You don't have to run an Alex Smith, Mark Sanchez, Kirk Cousins, just don't be the reason we lose type of offense. Because that's really what the quarterback does in this offense. It's like make some throws, don't, just don't be the reason we lose. Yep. And that's what he was doing until about this season. And I'm not really sure what clicked. Maybe it was the pressure of the Let Rutz Cook slogan. Maybe they were just tired of losing in the playoffs. I'm not sure. But now what they're doing is we're not running the air raid over here. right? It's not like some spread it out college thing. It's still pretty traditional NFL style offense. The difference is just when Russell is throwing. He's coming out and throwing the rock early. So that way, about a fourth quarter, Russell ain't got these heroics. Right? They up 15, mm-hmm. he's chilling. That's the, been the big difference. Before it was like, let's come out, establish Marshawn Lynch, establish Chris Carson. Oh, dang, we down 10 in the fourth? Hey, Russ, bail us out. And maybe Russ got tired of that. <laughs> right? I get tired of that, man. Like, let's. let's yeah, let's it's, and- it's okay to lead the game, too. Yeah, you know, if, if if anybody's ever seen Pete Carroll's famous speech after games, he goes, you know, can you win a game in the first quarter? Oh, and yeah. Keen goes, no. Can you win a game in the second quarter? No, can you win a game in the third quarter? No, can you win the game in the fourth quarter? Hell yeah. And I always make fun of that speech because it's like, well, the answer to the, the first three questions are all yes. <laughs> we literally have a phrase for when the game is won in quarters that are not the fourth. It's called garbage time. That phrase is built around the game already having been won. Um, <laughs> I also like to joke with Pete, like, yo, okay, so when do you think you won the Super Bowl? Because you guys was up like 21 nothing at the <laughs> The game is over, right? <laughs> you need to win it uh, in, in the fourth. So, yeah, that's all changed this year, and it's why Russ has been killing because he's been asked to just do more early. So, by the okay. fourth quarter, he's just chilling. All right. I respect that. I like that answer. I, I think, man, one thing that Pete Carroll may have noticed was that DK is now just a grown man compared to everybody else on, on the football field. And he, he got – he followed on that draft board to what the last pick of the second round to you guys. So which I, I can't believe it. I, I have I was hoping the Bills took him in the first round. And then when he was there in the second, I'm like, okay, we gotta take him in the second. And we didn't take him in the second, and he fell all the way down to you guys. Uh, how, how do fans feel about that still? Man, fans are really happy about it. And the, the discourse is all coming around the conversation about why he fell. It's, it's like resurfacing. Um and the Seahawks had those same reservations as a lot of other teams. Like, I don't want to say that they had the magic, like, touch with drafting yeah. DK. I mean, they passed on him for LJ Collier, who they used. It could have took DK in the first round, right? Like, 
Um, and their number one receiver was retiring, Doug Baldwin. That's why they took three receivers in that draft, actually. Um, but the, the, the reasons he fell are legitimate. Some of them in my, in my eyes, like he broke his neck. Big deal, right? <laughs> like <laughs> breaking your neck is a big deal. Like, yeah, exactly. What the last thing you should do if you, play, if you break your neck is play football. Uh, that's just general rule of thumb. So he broke his neck. Um, he was fine, but I mean, still, it's, it's you know, how the draft go. Yeah. Break anything, they're going, you know, you have pneumonia, you have the flu, they're going like, it puts you, knock you on the draft board. Also, he, I think, led FBS receivers in drops or drop percentage because um, they only play like five games. But like, that's a problem, right? Like, receivers can only control two things. As much as we dissect all the things they can do, they control two things whether they get open and whether they catch it. If you weren't doing one of those things good, well, that's 50% of the job. So I'm a dock you. Um, now, of course, none of that matters now, even though he did have a lot of drops his rookie year. Um, but the good thing, he's, he's also in a perfect situation here, too. I don't think he would be doing this if he played for the Jets. Right? I don't think he'd be putting... Yeah, nobody, nobody. Jerry Rice could do anything for the Jets. That's true. That's true. I, 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 don't, you know, I don't even think... Um, this is a really good example, too. I don't even think he'd be doing this if, like, if he played for the Lions. Right? Like, even someone okay. who can throw a downfield and make plays and has a history with big receivers like him... Russell is just so damn good that he elevates the play of a, of someone like DK. And Russ was also a good person to look up to. Russ is really that that cliche first person in the door, last person out, like always focused, has the right mindset, never gets down. It's just uh, he's just addicted to winning. Like he's named his son win. Like I don't really know if there's a better example of being addicted to winning by giving your you know your son that name. So and then DK can just learn from that. So I think it's a, it's kind of a perfect pairing here. Like he wasn't like Philly fans were really upset that they didn't draft DK. Right? They took JJ or Sega Whiteside. He's trash. Yeah. Um, I think the, the Patriots took to kill Harry. I think too. And DK wouldn't be doing this with in New England or in Philly. He just wouldn't. Yeah. He'd be good. But hey, Brady, Brady might have stayed though. That's that's true. But <laughs> I looked at DK and like you know I can do this Boston thing for a little bit a little bit longer. But yeah, no, Seahawks fans are very happy. Actually, you know, it's funny, they traded up with the Patriots to get DK. So mm. the Patriots had the 64th pick and gave it away, uh, had a chance to get him. So yeah, no, Seahawks fans are real happy about that Bill Belichick mistake. That's funny. All right, so I want to talk about his partner in crime too, because um, I was talking to my boy, you know, one of my co-hosts about Tyler Lockett, and I was like, yo, how come like he's just never talked about in fantasy? I'm like, is he underrated? He said, yes, he is he is crazily underrated. Do you you feel like he's underrated? Do you feel like he get enough love out there from Seattle? From Seattle, yes. In the league, no. And I think there's there's like three receivers who legitimately I I would say if they felt they're the most underrated player in the league, let alone receiver, I could feel them. And that's uh Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods, and probably Allen Robinson. Um, for three different reasons, they just—they all just get busy consistently. They're all look at those three dudes. They're all very consistent. They get open and they catch it, and that's so simple. But that's literally all the receiver can control. Everything else yeah. is not you. You can't control the play call, the blocking scheme, whether your quarterback's accuracy. You can only control whether you get open and whether you catch it. That's it. Um, and those guys are just consistently really good at it. They're all really good route runners. They all make deep catches. They all make contested catches. They're all good after the catch with the ball in their hands. Um, especially Robert, like they got him running the rock for touchdowns this year. Um, so I think it's part of it's because of the market and uh, part of it also is just like, this is going to sound crazy, but like Tyler's not white. So when you be like, like a little small slot guy and you not Edelman, you not Amendola, <laughs> you not Wes Welker, 
You're not even like Cole Beasley. You don't get marketed that same yeah. way. Like Jarvis Landry, I think, has the same problem uh, as a slot guy who catches a million balls yeah, but oh doesn't get thrown in that you know conversation. Um, Doug Baldwin eventually got there. Um, but that, yeah, I think that's Tyler, what Jamison Carter doing right now at the Jets. Yeah, you know, it's because anybody could be a slot. Uh, you know, Diggs has played some slot. Like, there's plenty of slot guys who ain't the the Beasleys and the Welkers and the Amendolas and stuff like that. But that's what we think of. Yeah, is he right? But Tyler's probably the best slot receiver in the league for my money. Right? Like, he need, he should get that credit. And and I think because he was a returner, I think people still kind of maybe think he's just a returner that kind of is getting lucky. But now nah, I think this is him. This he he's for real. And him and DK, I think Russ gonna be he gonna be happy for a long time, long time. And I, well, I also with those two, I don't think it's a coincidence that the, these two dudes are so nasty coming in straight to the league. Um, and they both their dads play in the NFL. Like Tyler Lockett's dad played receiver. His name's Kevin Lockett. Um, and DK's dad, Terrence Metcalf, played for the Bears for a long time, old lineman. Like it doesn't surprise me that those two dudes came in. Tyler made the Pro Bowl his first year as a returner. Who's all pro actually as a returner. DK comes in, has seven touchdowns and like 900 yards and has the best receiving debut for a rookie ever in the playoffs with a buck 60. None of that surprised me because, you know, like they, they know the work ethic because yeah. that's part of it. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you come in and you don't want to lift weights or you don't want to do the extra film work or you partying or you just not focused and yeah, you're not going, you're not going to get right. You're not going to be consistent like these two yeah. are. Yep. So yeah, they they knew what it took. Okay, that makes sense. All right, let's let's switch sides of the ball, man. What's up? What's up with that defense? Well, what's going on, man? I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. Here's why. Okay. When they, when they were um when they were touted as like, yo, they're gonna have the best secondary in the league, or one of them. I was one of those people. I said that. I, I said Buffalo, um, New England, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Seattle was probably all. Five, they're gonna be gonna be right there. New Orleans possibly too. Um, I slept on the Buccaneers. I don't know why. Oh man. Yeah, and that Buccaneers sick. You know, actually, I do know why I slept on them because Russ threw for like 500 yards on them or something last year in Week Nine. So I was like, oh, they're trash. Um, <laughs> and then I forgot that they from from that game on to the end of the season they were like the best secondary. So maybe Russ fixed them. I don't know. Um, but when I was saying that about Seattle this off season. They, I predicted a secondary of Quentin Dunbar, Shaquille Griffin, a pro bowler, Quandre Diggs, a fringe pro bowler, Jamal Adams, all pro. Those four dudes have played 77 snaps together all year. That's it. 68 of those was in week one against Atlanta. The other nine were against um, New England in week two. And they only it's only nine because Quandre got ejected in the first quarter. Right, so I, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Even this week, they still won't have that whole group because Shaq's got a concussion. So we might not see Seattle's actual starting secondary until week ten. Hmm. So of course the second, of course the defense is gonna fall apart a little bit. That's that's all I got. If in week ten, then they still like giving up all these <laughs> stuff, like nothing. But that I'll give them that benefit of the doubt for now because those four Quentin, Shaq, Quandre, and Jamal, that's a really good foursome, and I really think that can be one of the best pass pass defense units in the league. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, no, I really like Adams. No, we've seen him at the Jets you know, two times a year. So I do have a question because, um, you know, the Bills were known for defense, you know, the last couple of years. You know, there was right, you know, normally right behind Seattle defense. And the first four weeks, like, you know, Josh Allen was going crazy. He was in MVP talks, but our defense was terrible, but we was 4 0. And people were still complaining because the, the you know, defense wasn't holding people to 10 points. 
Uh, how do the fans out there feel? Because right, y'all had the Legion of Boom, like y'all had the the defense that that people are going to talk about twenty years from now, like the '85 Bears, the the Buccaneers with Sap. Like y'all had those, you know, Ray Lewis defense. Um, do fans ever say like, okay, Russ is cooking, but come on, how can we fix the defense? Or or y'all just like, yo, let Russ do, let's score fifty, and if we give up forty, who cares? It was like a mixed bag. It was like half of the people who was who was like, yeah, man, Russ is cooking like this. It don't matter. And there was the other half who was like, no, this is unsustainable. Um, and that's that's where I was at, the unsustainable okay. part. Because what I've learned in like getting into the nerdiness of football analytics and all this stuff is that your record is not necessarily predictive of whether you'll win games later in the season. Your record says how good you are currently, but it doesn't say how good you will be. Um, there are other metrics to look at that. And if you're giving up a gazillion pass, if your pass defense is bad, eventually you will stink. Like that's just a, uh, that history just bears that out, especially in the, the modern era. I say like the last 10 years of, of football. And the Seahawks were really only good at, for the first like seven weeks or seven games, really only good at two things on defense. And that's forcing turnovers. The turnover rate is really high. And that's getting teams off the field on fourth down. They're a really good team on that. But those aren't sustainable metrics. I've only yeah. found two teams in the last 10 years that have been able to win a lot of games in the regular season with that kind of blueprint. And that's the 2011 Packers, who they went 15-1 because Aaron Rodgers was MVP. And their defense forced a lot of turnovers and turned teams over on fourth down. So basically, if they weren't, if they weren't giving up points, they were turn, they're get, turning the other team over. But that's not sustainable. Yeah, exactly. Same thing with 2018 Chiefs. They were the same way. Mahomes just threw a bunch of touchdowns every week, and their defense couldn't get off the field on third down, force any punts, but they forced a lot of turnovers, and the fourth down defense was solid. So uh, even with those two historical precedents, the thing that those two teams have in common is they had the MVP of the league and didn't win the Super Bowl. And so, actually, neither team even got there. So that's well, was that up. was that the year where um no 2011 is that no that, that wasn't when you lost when y'all beat them was it Seattle no that them? 2011 the Seahawks don't make the playoffs but 2011 okay. Packers um that team went 15 and one actually and lost to the Giants at home oh um, yeah the Giants oh yeah, yeah okay it's one You're of right. the magical Eli runs and yeah, so yeah. like <laughs> those those teams are very probably the most comparable to what the Seahawks are doing now. But the common thread is they had the MVP like the Seahawks probably do, and they didn't make the Super Bowl, which is this team's only goal. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was definitely one of those people after big games like after they beat the Cowboys or the Patriots. I was like, yo guys, this is cool, but this is very much not sustainable brand of football, and it's not. And I think that's why they've been motivated to turn it around. And ultimately, they're all just kind of like internally like. We get Jamal Adams back, we'll be fine, and uh, we'll see, because uh, Jamal's going to play against the Bills, and we'll see if they're fine against Josh Allen. All right, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that later too. All right, so I do want to talk about the fans, because the twelfth man, you know, you guys are are nationally known, you know, make a lot of noise, you know. So with it being no fans in Seattle, it's some fans, some places, but no fans in Seattle, no, no fans in New York. Um, do you get you think your fan base is feeling it more than like other fan bases just because how passionate you guys are? Uh, I think yes, yes, and no. I think there are some towns in um, some of these NFL cities that are really hit a little harder. Uh, I think Buffalo is probably one of them, Seattle, 
uh, I don't know if Green Bay's Lounge fans, but they're 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 probably one of them too. Just cities where I don't want to say there's nothing to do like Green Bay, but the thing to do is a Buffalo, yeah. like the Bills. The yeah. thing to do is a Seahawks game. Like the Mariners are like, eh. So like the thing <laughs> to do is a Seahawk game. I know the thing to do in Green Bay is a Packers game. Ain't nothing else to do there. Like there are just some fan bases um, in New Orleans is probably thrown in there as well. Kansas City's allowing fans. Um, actually, New Orleans is too. I think I think that's a that's been a big part of it. But I mean, as you can see, like it ain't hurt the on-field product at all. Like they're still winning close games in prime time. Um, it's still really dramatic coming down to like the final play. Um, I don't. There's still big plays. I I think that um, the the idea preseason that there would be some on-field impact. I always thought that was overblown. Mostly because football is mostly a game of when the action gets going, you get hit in the face by the other dude. And in that type of sport, I don't care if there's one person in the arena or 12 million, dude hits you in the face, you're awake now. Like, it's go time, blood's pumping. And if it's not, you're going to be carted off the field probably if you're not ready. Um, so these guys know that. They're professionals. Um, if nothing else, they know they're on TV. And yep. there's people watching, you know, whether it's their fans, their mama, their girl, you know, their hometown. Nobody want to look like a fool at work on TV, whether there's fans in the building or not. So I think that's why... As much as like the twelves are probably hating it, like that's why the on-field product hasn't been impacted, right? Football still, you know, get hit in the face, right? You gotta well, go. Well, and it's not like basketball where like fans are like pretty much on the court. You know, most stadiums fans are pushed back away because you got the the players right there and all the TV equipment. So I don't know how much they they hear the noise, but I don't think they hear stuff that's they picking up. It's more just background noise, probably, anyways. Yeah, I mean, I think the big, honestly, the most there's there's two ways that the fans usually get to the players. At least I've only been covering at least since 2017, so my my vision my view of this might be a little skewed because it's the post Kaepernick era of football. But it's the uh, it's the end of games of close games when they hear the fans the most, and they're on the anthem. That's when they were hearing the fans um, the most. I mean, even Colin yeah. had a really ugly ugly experience in Buffalo when he you know did. really really ugly. Um, and that's like when you hear the fans the most. So we've eliminated that part. Um, and then the other part, like I said, is the end of games. But, I mean, if you're not hyped for the end of the game, game's on the line, you're in the wrong sport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, don't think, I, I don't think that's been much of an impact either, except for, I guess, the Falcons, who have found a way to lose uh, in a heartbreaking fashion, no matter if there's fans there. And I guess the Chargers, too. Falcons and Chargers. Oh, like, the Chargers. Regardless. <laughs> I, think, I think they play each other coming up, too. So you're going to see who I can't wait. That game will be hilarious. But the three stooges. All right, so let's get on to your coach, Pete Carroll. Um, he's so full of life, but he is 59 years old. So do you guys have a succession plan? Well, first, let me ask, how long do you think he will coach? You know, that's a good question. Pete just has so much energy. It's so, like, Pete doesn't, Pete loves winning, right? But Pete loves the competition of it. Pete loves the getting to know the players part of it, learning their backgrounds. Um, Pete loves the part of it that, like, you if you love that, you can tolerate the job a lot longer. Like, if you're just all about the Sundays, you're going to hate the job, right? Because a football coach is so much more his job yep. is Sunday. Uh, it's more of it than Sunday, especially with Pete, who has an uh, executive role as well. So he helps with the personnel. So you really got to be in tune with all, all of it, the scouting, the, 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 the relationship with the community. Um, the relationship with your assistants, building them up, like getting to know your guys as people. That part honestly doesn't get old. And that, in that way, he's almost like your local Pop Warner coach, right? Just kind of doing it 
you know, off the love, you know, just to get yeah. people in the position to where they want to be. Now, he's getting paid a lot more than the Pop Warner coach, so that'll probably keep him around, too. Um, but I think because he likes those aspects of it, he's not just obsessed with the result. It's the process. Um, he can do this, you know, a lot a lot longer. I just joked with the offensive coordinator before we hopped on here. I was like, what do you think about Pete Carroll's spiral that he throws? Because, like, Pete Carroll will really be on the field just chucking it, you know, with a, with a Nike glove, you know, looking like a looking like one of the players. Like, it's that's the type of energy, you know, he has. They're playing rap music, you know, at practice every day, and he's part of the saying yes and no on the playlist, you know. They had Kendrick Lamar come to practice. Drake came through the year they won the Super Bowl. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar might just pop up, you know. Uh, there's just It's just so much life in there. Allen Iverson came through, Ice Cube. Um, so like he's he's a, a celebrity and he's always gonna have that part. But yeah, he's just he's just he is just full of life. If I was to guess whether something would change, it would probably be tied to Russell, maybe because like as Pete also knows, you're only as good as your starting quarterback for the for the most part. So if your starting quarterback stinks or he's gone or retires. Your days are just probably numbered. He's been fired enough to know like what getting fired, you know, being on the verge of getting fired looks like. Yeah. So he has never said that publicly. I don't think he's close to retiring necessarily, but if I was to just take a shot in the dark at it, it would probably be tied to, all right, do I have a franchise quarterback or not? Because I ain't about to be 75 out here going 4-12, and 12, you know, with yeah. just some <laughs> Yeah, right. Nah, I respect that. I mean, I guess, yeah, maybe if him and Russ fall out, like Rodgers and McCarthy, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, think that's going to happen. Pete seemed like he is like the epitome of a player's coach. Oh, yeah. So, he, uh, he, so is there somebody in-house you think that would, you know, he would kind of promote as he leave out the door? Somebody that you guys like? That's, that's interesting. I was literally just thinking that, talking to the offensive coordinator today. I was like, man, he would make a really good head coach. Um the problem with that is he's having one of the best years of any offensive coordinator in the league, and he's white. So he's definitely going to be <laughs> a candidate um, to, uh, to get, like, jobs. This, oh, this my offseason. God. Is, just, he, is he from the, the McVeigh tree, too? Because no, if, no, okay, if you're from the McVeigh, McVeigh tree, he'd guarantee the job. Yeah, no, nah, he's not from – that's a good point. Not from the McVeigh <laughs> tree, but Brian Schottenheimer's dad was, uh, you know, Marty Schottenheimer. So, like, oh, he's yeah. already in the NFL world, you know, like – just be, just off the off the last name, yeah. And I think if he co- if Russ wins MVP, right, and Seattle has a top ten offensive line, and you know Russ has the best year of his career, the Seahawks you know get the one seed or something like that, people are gonna want to call, you know, uh, Shoddy about get, getting the gig. Hundred percent, yeah. So, so he and like I said, he white too. Like they could call Eric Bieniemy too, and they just don't. Um, he's also we, having a good we year. talk about that a lot on, on our show. Like I I, yeah. I just I can't believe it. I can't believe it's it. not a knock to Shadi. It's just it's just what it is, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if him and Eric Bieniemy have the same success this year, they have the same ranked offense or whatever. He is more likely to get a job than Eric Bieniemy. That's just a, it's just a fact. Everything bears that out. Um, but if if he maybe wants to stay here and succeed, Pete Carroll, I think Brian would make a very interesting coach. I don't know how much he loves the process of everything as much as Pete, but I do know he's a good teacher. Okay, like players learn about how football works with him and um in a in a league where the draft is the best way to build a championship team and the meaning you're acquiring young talent you need to be able to teach football because college football is very very simple like especially for like receivers and stuff like even quarterbacks they make one read 
And if you're in the Big 12, he's wide ass open and you just throw it, right? That's what mm-hmm. all Baker Mayfield, you know, was, was doing. And the NFL is much more complicated, right? You got to be a leader of men. You got to have the intricacies of every part um, down. Your receivers can't just like, because, you know, in college, all they do is throw up a peace sign and the receiver knows his assignment. And NFL plays as long as like a dictionary definition. Like he's got to know all yeah, of that yeah. stuff. So I, for, for that reason, I think he would be very interesting. Um, other than that, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a toss-up. By that point, if Russell ain't here and Pete not here, I don't know if I still need to be here. Maybe I need to <laughs> go to a, to cover a different team. Yeah, let me get on the gravy train to the Pete and, Pete and Russell where the money's at. Man, this team hot because of these two for the last decade. Yeah. I mean, I, if they go, I might go too. I'm glad you just said that because that's my very next question is about them, right? Because they, they won their Super Bowl already. Um, it was early in Russ' career. He wasn't the guy. It was the defense. But if they only win one, say, no, they go another, I don't know, eight years, they, and they only ever win that one Super Bowl and only get to that get to the other one when they lost, uh, would you call their tenure a success still? Would that be a success to you? That's a good question. To me specifically, probably probably not. Because um, that'd be a long time. Like, even if we add another eight, like, Russ, let's say Russ played that he's 40, that'd be 18 years of Russ, I think, 17 years of Russ and, and Pete together. Um, man, that's a long time to not win one, man, because Russ is going to be really good for a very long time. I think they can get another one. I would... The problem with that is I, I do account for the fact that, man, luck plays a lot in, in winning oh, the Super Bowl. It, does. it just plays a, such a big part where the ball just got to bounce their way. Like even the 2014 NFC title game, they beat over the Packers. Like so many things needed to go right. They like rush through the ball blind on a two-point conversion. They got an onside kick. How often do you get an onside kick? Right, just just that part is is is, is the, like, the safety um, intercepted the ball and just fail. Like, yo, it's like yeah, his, seven minutes left. What are you doing? His teammate was like, yo, yo, get down. And it's like so many things needed to go wrong in, in there uh, for, for for the Packers anyway, for them to, yep. them to win it. Like there's just – there's so many things that got to bounce your way. Like the Chiefs, obviously they got theirs, but like they should have got one the first year. Mahomes is MVP year. Like, oh, D4 happens to be offside, so you don't – you know, it's just – it's so little thing. Like even the year that – um, even the year they won the Super Bowl – if Richard Sherman is like two inches shorter, that ball goes over his head. Crabtree catches it, and then the Niners go to the Super Bowl that year, right? And then the Niners end up being the juggernaut. Maybe the Seahawks have to break up. There's so yeah. many little things. I mean, a really good example, I think, in the last like five years is the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints have probably had one of the best rosters in the league the last like four or five postseasons, and they had the Minnesota Miracle. Um, they got the, the Rams. The, the no PI call against the Rams. <laughs> They had another no PI call against um, the, the Vikings last year, right? Yeah, last year, like they, they've had the talent. Their talent has their the issue has never been talent. Like three years in a row, and they've lost at the the very end of these games. Look at all these situations we're talking about. These are yep. all the the end of the game because the the ball bounces one way, the ref chokes the whistle or throws a flag one time or doesn't. So. In eight years after this, though, I'd have to throw the luck out. Like you got to get lucky one of those. One of those eight years, but I think they'll get one though in that time frame for sure. Okay, all right. Now enough about your team, man. You got to talk about my team for a second, man. I want to know what what did you think about the Bills? Like, what what is your perception of the, like just the team, how good they are, and whatnot? 
You know, I think so. Here's how I, here's how I put quarterbacks in categories, and I learned this from um, I think the first Seahawks coach Chuck Knox is who I stole this from. There's two types of quarterbacks: the ones you win with, and the ones you win because of. And I think Josh Allen through the first like four weeks was the one you were winning because of. Like we're going out here and we're getting it done because we got number is it 17? We got we got number 17. Um, I don't think though. Josh, just as a whole, is the quarterback you win because of. You, he's one you win with. If the other things around him are good, he can get it done. Whether that's the O line, the defense, the running game, whatever. The other, the the, co- the coaching needs to be good. Like, he's not someone I think can like independent yeah, of overcome. Great. Yeah. Like, I, to be fair, there's only like two or three of those guys that I think exist in the league. And Mahomes is one, and I think Russell is another. Um, we are seeing that Tom Brady honestly might be one of those too and just jump systems and it's still really really good so and i don't think that's a a knock really much on josh but i do think if buffalo and the fan base and the front office accept that that's the reality it's much easier to build a team right because then you're not just like uh you're you're recognizing your guy's flaws and building around that like okay he's not gonna always be able to win his games with his arm okay so let's get let's get receivers who make good contested catches or, you know, like, let's get, you know, let's invest in tackles, right? So we got guys who are protecting him super good. Let's get running backs who, okay, let's maybe pass on the first round running back. That's a stud. Maybe there's a guy in the fifth round who's not as good, but at least can pass pro. So we can, you know, give Josh that help on third downs. You know, all the other things make those sound as well. Invest in the defense. Um, you know, this is all of these things that you can do once you understand, like, this is the type of guy we have. That's what I would do if I was if I was running Buffalo. Um, I think the, the investment in Stephen Diggs was really good. Diggs is like a top five route runner in the league to me. Maybe yep. top three. That dude, he he does the two things like I said. Well, he gets open and he catches it. That's it. That's 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 his that's his job. And he's having a killer year uh, this year too. I'm really just surprised that Buffalo secondary isn't a lot better. Um, that's that's the kind of question I've had. I knew like I knew uh, pass rush is like not a a, a really sustainable metric year to year like teams a team would get 50 sacks one year ain't gonna get 50 every year because yep. sacks are pretty random but pass defense is usually pretty sustained yeah. you got an elite group your group will probably be anywhere from elite to top 10 every year buffaloes is not um so i that's the kind of curious thing that i'm gonna be watching for on sunday um i really like trey white that's another dude uh, uh i'm a big fan of but yeah, I think everything Buffalo is about the quarterback. You're only gonna go as far as Josh Allen can take you. Like you lose that game in Houston last year because Josh Allen decided to throw the ball to the other team damn near. Like that, <laughs> I don't know what he was doing that game, man. You can't, you can't do that. Didn't this year he try to throw it on a run play? Like yeah, you gotta recognize those are flaws. I like, yeah, I like he does, yeah, he does like his Superman mentality. He try to like he was getting tackled. He try to like pitch it. I'm like, bro, just yeah. go down, go down. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah, see, and part of that too is Josh realizing what Josh can and cannot do. Yeah. Like it's not just the front office. Josh got to realize that too. Like, hey man, we called a run. That means we run it. Like <laughs> if we lose some yards, it's cool, bro. Just don't throw it. Like that's not we didn't call that. Like you don't got to just pitch it randomly. Uh, like he's got to get that stuff out of his brain too and maybe he won't and the front office got to account for that too like i think uh i think the front offices in atlanta and minnesota face like a similar issue like kirk cousins can be killing it and then just brain fart now the other team has the ball matt ryan could be killing it brain fart now the other team 
has the ball. So I think once uh, I think a team Buffalo could win a Super Bowl with Josh Allen. It's just everything has to fall into place. You're gonna need some other all pros at some other spots. I think to get yeah. it done. So start with Trey White. You just need some more. All right. So keeping on Josh, uh, what kind of day do you expect from him? Like you think Seattle, this is the week Seattle get the pass defense together, or you think it's going to be a shootout? Uh, I think I think uh, he'll have a good game. It's very rare that quarterbacks have a bad game against Seattle. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a – well, Jimmy G had one, but Jimmy G is just bad. Like that's just – Jimmy Garoppolo is not – he's – you know, there's two quarterbacks uh, – Categories that said you went with because of Jimmy G's just in another category of guys who are not good. That's just that's kind of what it is. Even if they want this, last year, yeah, it, 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 it was it because of him. Was it with him? It was nothing not to do about no. him. He was just there. That was it. Like he, he was just there. Uh, he threw the ball with his eyes closed in the Super Bowl. Like that's just I, I can't respect you if you do. open your eyes, man. Like that was what are you what are you doing? Um, so I think Josh, uh, Josh Allen is gonna have a good a good day i think um he's probably gonna have a successful day on the ground um i think that's where he's like really underrated um at least uh, in, in my opinion he's really good on the ground and bobby wagner was asked yes. whether he compares to anybody um and bobby said no um but he, he does to me like when i see him run he's not as good as cam but it looks like it's it's as powerful as cam it's not it's not as entertaining it's not like lamar where yeah. dudes are getting embarrassed, except for that linebacker, Josh Hurdle, I think in his rookie year. Oh, that, Bar. Yeah, Bar from uh, yeah. the Vikings. That, 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 that is legitimately embarrassing. You can't get hurdled by the quarterback. No, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. But like, yeah. Josh is a very powerful runner. Like, you're not, he, you'll bounce off of him if you don't have your pads where they're supposed to be when you hit him. Yep. That goes for D linemen, too. So I think he's going to have some, some big scrambles against this team. Like, it wouldn't be surprised if. They have a good day on third down. I mean, Bill's offense is already good on third down. It wouldn't surprise me if they have a really good day, even if they're putting some third and longs because Josh makes a, a guy miss and picks up 13 on third and 11. Like, he's he's really good in that regard. I think he'll have a good day there. Um, but I do think he's going to make some really bonehead plays that ultimately are the difference. Mm. Um, like I said, Seattle defense is really good at forcing turnovers. So even if Josh throws for 280 and two scores – he, that one pick he throws off that brain fart may be the difference in the one possession game. I think that's probably what's going to happen. All right. So I don't know if you are a betting man or not, and if you keep up with, with the lines and the spreads I and everything. Do. I, do. I don't know the spread for this game, though. What is it? It's, to me, and this is why I asked you what you thought about the Bills, because to me it's kind of disrespectful. Um, they got Seattle minus three. It, to me, to be a home dog is one thing. But what they well to me this is saying that if we was in Seattle we'd be a nine point uh, underdog, and the Bills are six and two regardless of um, whatever is going what Vegas is, is thinking. No, they they played no they playing okay. They did have some stinkers though against uh, against Tennessee, which wasn't good. But no, they played the Chiefs down to the wire. So they are minus three. You think that's a fair line? Uh, yeah, fair is a good word. I don't think it's disrespectful. I thought you were gonna say like it's like seven or something like that. That'd be disres disrespect. Like, that's pretty like no, that, that's that's wow though. That's wow. <laughs> um, the Jet the Jets were like twenty point dogs to the Chiefs last week. That is disrespectful. Three touchdowns in an NFL game. Yeah, NFL game. That's that's like that's an Alabama line. Yeah, and I think that I mean the Chiefs covered it. So I mean, wait, was it wasn't oh that disrespectful. God. Uh, the Chiefs the Chiefs were also thirteen point 
favorites over the Raiders in the game. They lost to the Raiders, actually. I thought that line was disrespectful, too. Was that, that was, was that in KC? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, that was. That okay, was their was only loss. They were 13-point favorites in a yeah. divisional yeah, game. Yeah, that, that is disrespectful. <laughs> that, that's disrespectful. I think three is fine. I, I would probably say the Seahawks cover it, though. Um, I would probably say they, they, they're scoring 34 at night, so I think they're hitting the 30 ball. Um, so I'd probably say like 33, 28, what's that, five? Yeah, I, I got them covering. I still see a one-possession uh, game for sure. I think the Bills are a, a, a good team. I think I think they are. You guys got my guy Q Jeff um, up front. I don't know if he's starting uh, right now, but, man, he's a, he's a good player, man. He make, he makes plays. Um, yeah, I, I respect the Bills. Three is a decent line. I, I think that's that's fine. What you don't want is like double digits when you're at home. That's, yeah. that's when you're getting disrespected by Vegas. Yeah, I know. I just, I just didn't think that. So to me, what they were saying that is that Buffalo is definitely like two tiers below Seattle, pretty much, because they, they, you know, we'd be like a ten point, you no know, underdog if we came to Seattle. And to me, I just, I didn't think they were that far apart. But maybe they are. I guess we will see Sunday. Well, I think um, traditionally you get three points for being at home. That's how Vegas will usually do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you flip that, you probably like Seattle would probably be like the, a touchdown favorite at home, which also that seems about right. I, but I don't know if those traditional metrics are holding up in 2020 with no fans. Yeah, yeah you're because right. the fans kind of changed the math line. I, th- I read something about this prior to the season that Vegas is maybe a little bit closer to just giving the home teams two points um, for being because they no fans there. Right? Like, what is the advantage? Yeah, I guess what flying flying there. Yeah, it's like you hopping on a plane. It's just like, well, it's a private plane, right? The seats are big. Like, it ain't that bad. Like, ain't no TSA. Like, it's not that it, it's inconvenient. You're sleeping in a hotel, but it's like, dude, we're the Seahawks. We're staying in the nicest joint that, you know, Buffalo got or Orchard Park yeah. or whatever. Like, like I, it's not that big of a disadvantage. Um, so, yeah, I think three, three, three is probably where I would put it. I don't know if that's what it opened at, but, yeah, that's that's fine. Okay. And the over and under is, is 55. And so it sounds like you taking the over then. If you if you said 33, 28. Is that exact? What is that? No, that's 61. Oh, is it? Oh, I can't count. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> take the over. I think it's gonna right. hit the over every week. No, I don't don't quote me on that. I don't know. Maybe the yeah. maybe they didn't in week four. They usually do though. Because they give up so many points and yeah. score so many. Yeah. They only I think they beat they beat Miami in week four, 31, 23. That probably was not the over. That probably didn't hit. But every other week, I mean, they went in 38, 31, 30, they won 38, 25. They lost 37, 34. Uh what oh, Minnesota was probably the under. That was 27, 26. Okay, that was yeah. that was that was yeah. probably the end. Uh but yeah, oh, yeah. I, I would take the over for sure. All right, so we got some some true false coming, but I do want to ask you a question because about how teams are playing Seattle. Um, because thinking about the over under, the Bills played the Chiefs with like seven DBs, uh, and pretty much you know they let Ceh run for like a buck eighty on them that day. Um, they ran the ball forty seven times, most times in the Andy Reid coach um, team. Uh, they had like over two hundred on the ground. Um, do you think if the Bills play seven DBs like that, that you no know, Seattle won't just run a ball with Carson? You think regardless, Russ is, is throwing through the air? You know, I think with this new version of the Seahawks, like in two, like I use an example, Minnesota has actually done that the past before this year. 
the year prior um, and the year before that, so 2019 and 2018, Russ was killing it, and they ran a lot of cover two, and were basically like, look, you ain't about to throw over our heads. And Russ actually had two many pedestrian games. Like, he was legitimately bad in the 2019 game, or excuse me, the 2018 game. He's better than the 2019 game. But um, and even this year, they did something similar, and Tyler Lockett didn't have a catch in the first half, and the Seahawks were down 13-0 at halftime. Like, I do think there is something to what the um, the Vikings have done and what the, the Chiefs, or excuse me, what the Bills are likely to do. I think the Bills probably went a little bit uh, too far. Uh, with, <laughs> yeah, with that, it did. I, so I went to I went to Washington State, right, when Mike Leach runs the air raid. And what how teams would beat us is they would, you know, because we're going to throw 50 times a night, they would just rush three and drop eight. Right. And that that was effective. Teams are doing that against Mississippi State right now and smoking Mississippi State for that reason. Uh, but I don't think you can overcorrect in that way in the pros. Guys are too good. The other offensive coordinator is going to adjust in ways that college coaches don't on the fly, um, I think. And the players are just better, too. So that's why, like, even – and also, uh, it's just probably just not going to work the same, too. Like, if you, you, you watched that Chiefs game. Mahomes still had a great day. Yeah, he said 20 for 25, two, 50, two touchdowns. Yeah, it's not – because you, really, you really can only get away with that consistently if you have a pass rush. That's it. Like you, your pass rush has to be nasty. Yeah, and we don't. Um, just dropping seven dudes and have these four man fronts or these eight, these three man rushes. Um, so I think that's why teams haven't done that a ton against Seattle. I think Minnesota's like uniquely built where they always have good edge rushers, whether it's a Daniel Hunter or uh, they, they, that game they had Yannick um, and Gakwe. Like they they got dudes. Um, so I don't think we'll see a ton of that. Um, if anything, you just see probably see a lot of zone. Uh, which is pretty standard for the NFL anyway, outside of like a couple teams who play a lot of cover one, um, like New England. The zone will probably help because the Bills don't have anyone who could guard DK. <laughs> does uh, any team? Uh, one team does, Patrick Peterson in Arizona. Patrick okay, Peterson yeah. has played DK twice. DK has two catches, and Pat has a pick, right? So, like, Patrick Peterson is literally the only dude in the NFL who can guard DK. I'm, like, comfortable saying that, which is crazy. So, yeah, you're right. It's not a knock on the Bills to not have someone who can't yeah. guard DK. <laughs> the other problem is, though, I don't know if they also have someone who can guard Tyler Lockett. So if you got this man coverage, you're going to get toasted, right? Yeah. So I think they got to sit back and try to keep eyes on Russ and and, and rally to the to the ball. That would be the, the plan there. But you can't just sit back and give Russ all that time to do it either. So you're going to have to have some five-man rushes, some blitzes. Arizona was like, shoot. We're just going to send seven and rush through three picks. Right? So I think uh, McDermott's a good coach. Leslie Frazier's a really, really, really good coach, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. they'll, they'll have a decent plan. My, my, my guess would be a lot of cover two, a lot of cover four, quarters coverages. They just make sure nothing gets above their heads, uh, but not like seven DBs to have just like DJ Dallas run for a buck 50 on them. Yeah. All right. I never expect that. All right. Let's get to some true and false, man. So you you started this um the show with this, but I'm going back to you anyways. Russell Wilson will win the MVP. True or false? Oh man, true. I go with true. He's gonna he's gonna win it. It probably because right. it's a narrative award too. So like, yeah, yeah. there's a really good narrative of like the year Russ got to cook. He won MVP. Like, <laughs> yo, when I heard Al Bike go say um, Russ is cooking, I was like, yo, what is going on? 2020 got it all now. Yeah, that was wild. They had a little graphic on the let Russ cook graphic. With the, yeah, no, that was wild. Yeah, I think I think he wins it though. And it's funny you said that because um, when Josh Allen was going crazy, they was talking about oh his number is this, his number is that. 
I listen, if his numbers are even this close to Russell Wilson, Russell is getting it because it's a better story. Like yeah. say, let Russ cook. Russell is a is a bigger name. You know, he the the better team, like the, the famous coach, Russ is getting it if it if it's close. It's now it's no longer close. So I think Russ will get it. All right. And he, it, he would get it if it was close over Mahomes too, because just for the same thing. It's a good and, story. And Mahomes got one already too. So exactly. that might hurt him. All right. All right. Seattle will win the NFC championship. Oof. Man. That's really tough without seeing A B on Tampa. Uh I'm I'm gonna go with true. I'm gonna go with true. I think I think the the really the, the two teams that really have the best shot, I think, are three teams. It's Seattle, Green Bay, and Tampa Bay. Um I think Tampa Bay is going to be nasty with AB as long as AB doesn't destroy the locker room. Uh, <laughs> now, nah, but Brady got him sleeping in his guest room. He good. I, I think he was living with Tom Brady last time. I don't know why everybody in Tampa is making like that seemed to be the, the the cure. Like he was living with him last time. <laughs> the problem isn't where he's sleeping. The problem is him having his phone. <laughs> like, that's that's always been the case unless Tom's locking his phone up. <laughs> give, give, me, give me that phone. No phone, no phones past eight. That's funny. Yeah, he gonna, yeah, he gonna, he gonna wild out. But yeah, I think, I think they, I think they can. I think ultimately, if you got Russ and a defense that has playmakers, like all pro playmakers, plural. They usually just have one in Bobby. They have two in Jamal, um, and and Quandre, Quandre Diggs too. So yeah, I, I go with True. Who do you think come out the AFC then? I'll, I'll probably the Chiefs. Probably the Chiefs. Mm. So oh, the Chiefs about to just roll, huh? Yeah, I think I don't think they'll be like a dynasty. I think they, okay. like they want to be. I don't think that's possible in a in a salary cap era. Um, the the, the Patriots kind of broke the rules in that way. Literally, they broke some rules along the way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think when you have a quarterback as good as Mahomes, it just breaks your defense. Like I think that Bills game was a really good example. They planned really well to stop him. Had a good plan, and the not only did their plan uh handicapped them in another area of the defense they also didn't even stop the thing they planned to stop because you can't you can't it's too hard to play defense in the nfl and mahomes is too damn damn good as long as they stay healthy they should be fine i would give pittsburgh um a decent shot as well yeah pittsburgh looking good they got top five like, offense top five defense right now like they are they killing over there their defense is, their defense is really consistently good at all three levels which is hard to get um, but yeah, they got like all pro dudes at like three spots. Like they're, they're, they're nasty. It is crazy. All right. Let's got, got some more coming for you. Another one. I've been seeing this on Facebook a lot, man. I've been seeing this on Facebook a lot. People, people keep saying that DK is the new Megatron. True or false? No, that's false, man. I just don't, I, I can't, I can't go there, man. Like Megatron is a different breed of dude. I'd say DK is not a different breed of dude, but I think that. The degree of difficulty that on um, the catches that Megatron was able to make, we just won't see DK make those, right? Not yeah. to say he can't, but until he does them, I can't give like put him in that that space because you've seen Megatron highlights. He'll there'll be three dudes there. Matt Stafford was like Godspeed <laughs> to all you little DB and would throw it, and Megatron would catch it. Right? Rush just wouldn't do that. He's not gonna throw in triple coverage. He's not gonna. He's barely gonna throw in double coverage. Right? And that's. Not to say DK couldn't make those catches, but I need to see it because I saw Megatron. Yeah. I saw. Yeah, yeah, I seen it. I, I, I like Darius Butler uh, on Twitter put up the the picture of like Megatron was getting double teamed like on the goal line, 
pre-snap. Like, I don't need to see DK do that because defensive coordinator get fired. He'd do that. That's just yeah. stupid. Right? And <laughs> uh, Tyler Lockett is better than any teammate that Megatron ever had. Right? Yeah, and for sure. Cannot game plan that way. But until he's – that's, like, the only thing that separates them, though, to be fair. Like, they got – the speed is there. The strength is there. The playmaking is there. The difference is that Megatron was never not open. Like, that was legitimately, like, three dudes over there. I'm going to throw it. And the odds that my guy comes down with it are high. Even if there's three other professional football players on the field right there. Like, that's that's not normal behavior. So, until I see DK doing that, I can't – I just can't do the Megatron. I can do the Julio comparisons. Okay. I just can't do the 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 Megatron ones because that dude was legitimately like looked like he was playing with toddlers uh, at times. It wasn't it wasn't fair. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was crazy. All right, got a couple more for you. Then we're gonna go ahead and get out of here. No, the game is on. I'm sure no, we both want to watch it. All right, I'm sure you you had this question a million times, but I'm giving it to you anyways. You think that's how to get a bottom uh, Marsan in the Super Bowl? True or false? Um, yeah, true. They should have. Uh, I'm not against throwing it, though. Like, throwing it is not the problem. Throwing it over the middle of the field is the problem. Um, you know, like, a goal line fade is fine. It's all about the math on it, right? The math yeah. on it suggests yeah. that the that is actually one of the scenarios I was talking about Pete Carroll being risk averse. That is a scenario where you do need to consider the negative outcomes because yeah. the negative outcomes yeah. will cost you a Super Bowl. So if you call a play, say, all right, what are the negative outcomes of this play? If you run it, there really is only one and that's Marshawn fumbling, right? It's that's it. Um, the other, like there's a neutral outcome where you get stuffed and then there's a positive outcome when you win the Super Bowl. If you throw it over the middle, there's actually a couple issues there. A, he could get sacked. Um, B, he could throw a pick. Right? Or at the, it also could just get, like, batted, and that's a pick, too. The other positive outcome is um, the uh, touchdown, obviously. So you got to really do that math in your head. Yeah. Goal line fade, okay. Yeah. Either our guy's going to catch yeah. it. Mm, or no one is. Their guy could catch it. Yeah. But not really. Chances are no one's gonna catch that, right? Or he could get sacked as well. You gotta count all those. So I, I yes, true, they should have ran it. Um, but I don't necessarily fault them for throwing. It's where they they threw it. And who they threw it to. Like Ricardo Lockett's a great dude, nice guy, handsome cat. <laughs> no way in hell the ball should have went to him right there. That's just just a fact. It's just that's just so yeah, true, they should have thrown it. But or, even even still with with that. It's only one team that was that would have been ready for that, and that is the Patriots, and that's because Bill Belichick had him looking at some tape that said Malcolm Butler said like he he noticed he knew it from the tape. I don't think other teams would have been as prepared for that, but just the Patriots. Yeah, no, for sure they had um they had Brandon Browner um on that side of the field too, another corner Brandon who played in the Legion of Boom, right? Like he he literally knew the play. He told Malcolm the to play pre-snap. He's seen how they were lined up, and that's why he got his hands on Jermaine Curse, gave Malcolm that beeline to Ricardo, and then the game's over. Like, yeah, yeah. there were so many things. I talked about luck. That's because clearly, like, luck. The, the one guy on the field who knows your play because he used to play for you happens to be lined up against you in that situation. Like, there were so many things that had to be aligned. But still, I would have – I'm okay with throwing. If they had thrown, like, a jump ball to Doug Baldwin uh, with him and Drew Rivas, you probably – actually, he's probably going to pick that. But <laughs> I that logic. Yeah. I'm trusting my guy versus their guy. 
if the worst worst case scenario, the ball gets tipped out of out of bounds or something like that. Over the middle is just just a terrible, terrible decision. All right. All right, I got, I got a couple more for you. Bring us some heat at you. So, including college success, do you think Pete Carroll is an overall better coach than Bill Belichick? No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think Bill Belichick's a very good GM. Okay. That I do think he's kind of overrated in that regard. Like you look at their draft yeah, picks; they, they, don't, don't draft. they don't draft talent at all. No, they they don't. They make the most of it. I think Bill Belichick, the head coach, saves Bill Belichick, the GM's ass, like every year. Like I think that's for real. They don't draft like look how many Pro Bowlers they actually draft. Like Hall of Fame players, they draft. You know, like it's not not a lot. Um, yeah. But they maximize talent. That's why when dudes leave New England, they stink for the most part, um, except for Tom Brady this year. So, I think uh, hoodie. I call him Hoodie Bill. Hoodie yeah, Bill's a really good coach. Uh, I th- he's he, for real. His only guy who's not considered unprofessional for wearing a hoodie to work, and he cuts the damn sleeves off. Oh my god! Yo, I went to the game last year just so I could see Bill Belichick with the cutoff sleeve. I, I got to see this one time. I got to see this man one time with the sleeves. And nobody tells him he's unprofessional or whatever. Like anyway, uh, but yeah, no, I think what makes Belichick really special is his um, the, how he takes in information. I'm um, just willing to use it, whether no matter where it comes from. Um, <laughs> his willingness to adapt to whatever the game plan needs to. Like yep. if, I, like I remember one game like that, Jonas Gray dude had like 400 or 200 yards and like four touchdowns. He never played again. Um, but it was just like that. That particular game plan required them running it down other team's throat. The next game plan, we might need to throw for, you know, yep. 50 times or, you know, like, hey, man, you, you're you a Sam linebacker this week against this team, but I kind of need you to play Will um, against, you know, playing the weak side, you know, uh, this week, just just this week against this team who does this. That's really, really hard yeah. um, to, to game plan for every week, and he's really good at it, and I think that's what you got to do. Um, Pete Carroll is a coach who, like, we want to maximize what we do well every week, which is fine. He learned that from John Wooden, great Hall of Fame coach. Mm-hmm. However, part of your job is stopping the other team. So, like, you have to adjust for that as well. I think uh, Bill Belichick's really good at that, even if he's also a cheater. Yeah, you got to make sure we add that one. All right, this is the last one, man. You got to be be very, very careful with your answer. Be very, very careful with your answer. Who has the better fan base, the 12 or Bill's Mafia? <laughs> Oh man, you're asking a black guy that's, but that's <laughs> and I say that just because, like, I mentioned Kaepernick's time in Buffalo, it was not, not great, man. Like you, you I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, man. I know great. exactly what you're talking about. The pregame was ugly, man. The signs, the the, the figurines, it was not, not not good. Um, not to say Seattle's much better, but it's a little better. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna go with Seattle, man. I just Seattle has turned itself into its fan base turned itself into a brand mm-hmm. and like the ability to do that in this corner of you know the the country is very difficult like in terms of market size Seattle's not big you know we're in a part of the country that people don't even really give a damn uh, about and the 12s have become a thing you know like think of how many fan bases in this like and the NFL like, even have a nickname. It will become a brand. Like you got like Cheeseheads or whatever, and Green Bay and stuff like that. But it's like, every, it's really hard to do what the, what the Seahawks have done. Like the, the atmosphere they create 
is one of the best in the league. Like, and that's mm -hmm. uh, I say that objectively. It is really like ask the other beat writers at the Athletic, ask anybody who's covered the NFL. Like, coming to Seattle, especially for a nighttime game, is an experience. That's why Sunday Night Football's been here like three times already. <laughs> Man, yo, y'all prime time every night. Like, like every time you're on my TV, I, it's Russell Wilson. Yeah, because actually, I guess the third one was in Arizona, but th that wouldn't have mattered. Shoot, th they easily would have came to Seattle like a third time, right? Just because, you know, the fan base really creates that experience. Yep. And like, not to say Buffalo doesn't, but there's something to be said. You could ask anyone in the league. There's something about the Seattle experience. When you come here, the place is rocking. The fans, that you can't hear yourself think. Like, part of the reason Marshawn Lynch is so famous is he had that beast quake run in 2010, and it caused a legit earthquake. The fans caused an earthquake. It's called the Beast Quake Run because they went so crazy that the ground shook. I, I'm sorry. Like, that's tough to beat, man. Like, that's just. That's a higher bar. <laughs> that's a higher bar. Yes, that's, 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 that's tough, man. So I, I, I give Seattle fans credit. Even some of them get on my damn nerves. It's something to say. Y'all made the ground shake, man. That's hard. Yeah, I think Bill's Mafia is no more for the pregame antics anyways yeah the, the pregame is going to the tables and the burning and all the whatever they be doing out there in the lots well, we more known for that i think the yeah, actual yeah, yeah. end game oh, uh, going crazy shout out to my guy my guy marcel who covers the uh, bills for uh espn nfl nation uh i'd be following him instagram when he walked through the parking lot and i'd be like dog what are you are you walk are you going to a wrestling match or are you going to a football game? it's like it'd be looking crazy i'm sure the food's good too Buffalo probably got crazy good tailgate food, but yeah, I got oh, the fans. Yeah, yeah. I gotta go to I gotta go to 12s out here. So I guess, damn, what eight years? Um, when Seattle come back to Buffalo, hopefully all this COVID shit is over. Um, mm -hmm. come through. Go telling you, dog, you gotta experience a Bills tailgate. It is because the big old lots. Who knows? Eight years, things can be changed. They may they may move to downtown Buffalo by then. But if they're in the same spot in Orchard Park, the fields, open fields, just so much room. Because uh, I live in Detroit now, and like they're tailgating down to like it's it's no it's nowhere to tailgate. You just you know popping up in little small sidewalks. Some some streets are blocked off, but it's no sense of community. But in Buffalo, it's like everybody is just in there, tables, drinking, RV. There at seven o'clock in the morning. It's it's a good time. Yeah, I, I was I, I was upset, man. I couldn't come to Buffalo. I never, like I said, I never been. Um, that would have been that would have been fun. But yeah, gotta gotta stay safe. Um, it also ain't cheap to get to Buffalo uh, from Seattle. Ain't no direct <laughs> flights. Uh, yeah, so I'm trying to minimize the number of airports that I that I frequent. You know, during the during yeah, the exactly. Uh, but yeah, when it, uh, when it's when it's when it's when it's better, man. I definitely get, I want to check out every NFL city except Green Bay. I'm good on that. Um, <laughs> every every other city. I'm, I'm definitely trying to check out. Yeah, I'm crying. All right, Mike. I got no more questions, man. I definitely appreciate you coming on. Let everybody know where they can follow you. And you you were amazing today. I'm sure they want to they want more content. So let everybody know where you at. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R, man. Uh, subscribe to the Athletic. I check out my podcast, Seahawks Man to Man podcast with my homie Chris Kidd. Um, we always try to keep it light, keep it fun. As you can see, man, it's football. I don't take it too serious, man. Just have some fun, crack some jokes, make exactly. fun of the Packers. That's, just <laughs> all, that's what we're here for, man. All right, Mike, I appreciate it, man. So, hey, good luck Sunday. 
We 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 see what's what, and no, on here we end every of our pods with a little hey. hey, hey. All right, y'all.